Uh, well, thanks for joining me today. My name is Daniel Lee. I'm running for State Senate in California District 30. Um, over the next few weeks uh, leading up to the primary, I'm going to be joined by policy experts uh, who are really going to talk about issues that affect California and the 30th District in particular. Today, I'm joined by uh, David Jetty from the California Public Banking Alliance, and we're going to have a discussion about public banking and ways in which it could conceivably uh, help us recover uh, from the coronavirus-induced uh, depression uh, that we're in, help, uh, help fund things like the Green New Deal and social housing, uh, and then just uh, help California more generally be more resilient uh, when there are financial crashes and issues and the like. So just to start out, David, if you don't mind, um, can you tell us what public banking is? I think uh, uh, the phrase sort of evokes like, a bank where people can just go in and take money out whenever they want, and you know it's it's a free for all for everybody. I'm sure, I'm sure it's been mischaracterized in all sorts of different ways uh, by uh, pro Wall Street uh, Wall Street banking experts. But very generally, what is public banking? Public banking uh, really simply is uh, a public bank is a bank that's owned by a government or by you know a, a public entity. Uh, so um, most banks uh, in the United States, in fact, all but one are owned by private entities. So they have private shareholders, and their profits and, uh, and decision making all goes to and it's done by a handful of, of private shareholders. And of course, uh, those shareholders are are pretty concentrated among the most wealthy people in the world, uh, not even in the in the country, right in, in the world. Uh, so a lot of the decision making that's made around what loans get made, what kind of bank services are available and how our economy is structured at, at really big and small levels, uh, all of that uh, decision making power and profit is, is really narrowed down to a small group of people. Uh, that's why it seems like there's so much money for, you know, big uh, housing developments or, you know, uh, like uh, risky uh, hedge fund bets or, or new tech companies that make a small group of people money. And there never seems to be enough money for affordable housing or roads or schools. So a public bank uh, allows the people of an area to take their inherent financial power as tax, uh, tax collecting entities and as, uh, you know, as, as, as major customers of banking services, which cities and, and counties are, to take that power and leverage it to get more investment and to recycle profits into the communities where, of course, that investment is most needed. So all of that sounds great. I mean, especially, I mean, I was a child of Occupy, um, so I've never been a very large fan of the, uh, the, the banking institutions we have in Wall Street and, you know, even the Federal Reserve and all of that, but don't want to get into that. But when it comes to, you know, such a great idea, one, where does it, it exist now? Like, are there public banks in the United States? And then if there are, why don't we have more? Mm. Yeah, well, there, there's one public bank in the continental United States, the Bank of North Dakota. It's actually really old. Uh, it was founded more than 100 years ago now uh, by farmers who were trying to get independence from the Wall Street of their day. Uh, and uh, their state decided they were going to have a bank 
just for their uh, state entities, all the, the public deposits were gonna be put in this bank. And then that bank was gonna focus on making loans in the state to farmers then. And nowadays they make student loans, they make economic development loans. Uh, so the same kind of stuff that we would wanna have for public banks here. Uh, why doesn't it, why isn't it you know, more common? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, America has long had this, um, this sort of enforced ideology that governments shouldn't participate in the kinds of activities that are usually the realm of, of very wealthy people, uh, that somehow um, regular folks uh, don't have the wherewithal to participate in decisions like that. Uh, you know, what, what project moves forward, uh, what project uh, doesn't. Um, that obviously has not led to a very equal society and regardless of growth, you don't have um, you don't have a widespread prosperity that's sustainable, and you have uh, you know urban centers that have obvious uh, you know divisions between rich and poor, uh, and that that extractive uh, ideology plays back into government when those same governments need to go to finance when they need to issue a bond or structure some kind of new. Uh, benefit program or you know nowadays when you have um you know relief pro packages and programs that are being pushed through financial institutions and financial products and the government is completely out of control of them right uh, they have to rely on wall street to do that um now why don't we have more public banks it it's it's hard to say uh there have been uh movements in the past that have where more public banks existed and then they've been reconsolidated into private banks we have semi uh public financial institutions that take the place of some of these things but ultimately the profit still goes to private banks and we want to take that last top part of the pyramid so to speak and make sure it belongs to everyone so along those lines there's been some movement in california recently and you've been a part of that um uh, so what's changed in california uh and how well, what's changed in California and how did that happen? How did the change happen? Oh, yeah, well, there was a push um, about four years ago after uh, the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, standoff. Uh, a lot of activists came back to L.A. and places all over California, uh, really mad at, at the, uh, the Wall Street financiers of that project and sought to divest uh, LA public funds from Wells Fargo. Um, they actually ran into a problem when they tried to do that though, right? Uh, which is that the city has extensive banking contracts with Wells Fargo. It's not as simple as pulling your money out. And there's no other real bank to put your money into that doesn't also finance something more or less like the Dakota Access Pipeline or a, pr a private prison system, uh, you know, an immigration detention, um, weapons, tobacco. It's actually very difficult to take public funds and isolate them from things that everyone, basically everyone agrees, the public should not be financing, much less profiting from. So what's the answer? The only ultimate answer is to divest into a public bank that has mandates and limitations on what it can invest in uh, to prevent that from ever entering the financial circulatory system, so to speak, right? You can't let that anywhere near the body of public money and public trust. You need to have a holistic financial system that invests in other public banks, other public projects. It doesn't have to only be in LA. It doesn't have to only be for one thing, 
but it needs to all be for the social good. So when, uh, when the city hall decided they were going to divest from Wells Fargo, not because of Dakota Access Pipeline, but because they had to plead guilty to defrauding their own customers, and it lowered their federal CRA rating low enough that they could no longer do business with the city, that's when the city said, well, we need to have another option. And um, you know, we were lucky to already be uh, talking about it and ready to say, hey, well, there's public banking uh, and this will this can be an option for LA. There were people saying the same thing in San Francisco and Oakland and San Diego and Santa Rosa, all over the state, all over the country. Um, all of those individual local groups got together. We founded the California Public Banking Alliance to advance the cause in the state. And together we sponsored AB 857, which is a law that permits cities and counties explicitly. Uh, they probably could have done it before, but now they explicitly can start their own banks and it sets the guidelines for how to do that. So uh, I'm sure you get this question all the time. So public banking is now legal in California, uh, thanks to the work you've done, but do we have public banks in California yet? And if not, then what's what's the timeline look like very generally? Oh, well, we're we're moving as quickly as we can because we think that, I mean, first of all, if we had public banks now, COVID recovery would be a lot simpler in terms of getting money out the door, making sure it's distributed equitably. So we wish we'd done it before, but uh, the only better time than yesterday is today. So we're going to um, try to get something in front of uh, city council and moving within six months uh, in terms of a plan that people can get on board. And we're also asking other municipalities like Culver City uh, and Compton and Long Beach uh, and many others to, to look at the same plan to think about it as a regional bank. Um, California has not founded any banks yet, uh, but we have many efforts that are about the same place. San Francisco has a task force they're going to be passing uh, rules to, to get that founded soon. Oakland has a very vibrant um, effort and San Diego does too. So uh, we, um, we think that there could be as many as three or four public banks in the next uh, three or four years. And then, you know, hopefully we can impact COVID positively. Uh, hopefully we can help address the affordable housing and, and homelessness crisis that we have. But even if we can't make a big dent in it immediately, we'll be ready for the next crisis, which is ultimately what infrastructure is about. It's about being ready and having what you need all the time, not just when you snap a fingers and not just uh, when you can get uh, Wall Street to help you. And you mentioned uh, COVID recovery, which of course is probably gonna be a years long uh, thing for the economy, particularly for uh, the people at the bottom. Um, you mentioned that public banking would have helped uh, COVID recovery uh, be more, be easier. Um, mm -hmm. you know, some of the some of the issues that are particularly played in 30th district are really about housing, um, and then sort of expanded public uh, transportation infrastructure on a state level. You know, there's a whole lot of talk about the Green New Deal in particular, but how to fund it. So can mm -hmm. you? Um, just give us some examples in terms of how uh, a public bank in particular could help us, you know, for instance, expand social housing or uh, finance the Green New Deal in a more sustainable way, or, you know, even give some of the cities like over city that are uh, in Los Angeles City that are facing very large pension obligations. Um, 
is possibly a better return on the money that they're already investing in Wall Street banks. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing that public banks can do is they can incentivize uh, banks to do what they should have been doing in the first place. And they can do that by coming in as a partner uh, to say, this is the kind of loans we need to be making. And we're going to put up principal. Uh, we're going to uh, take a part of that investment and you're going to take the other part and you're going to deploy it to our communities uh, with the standards that we set and with the, you know, in terms of equity and outcome and distribution and, and, you know, making sure that products aren't extractive um, of, of the businesses and the projects that they're a part of. Um, a public bank can say, for example, we want to make capital available for projects that are uh, building in the areas where we need housing the most and at the income levels that are most critical. And we want to make sure that those are being built with union labor. But we also want to make sure that their costs are low and that they're not a way you know, for, for developers to extract profit from public subsidy. It's not what this is about. It's, it's actually about coming in and saying, well, we're an investor and we're an investor that cares about the city. In fact, we are the city and we can't make loan decisions that don't show these kinds of impacts. It's not just a, an extra thing that we do for political gain. We don't just attend community meetings to try and get people on our side, but rather the community meetings generate the credit, which creates the program and it puts the public in the driver's seat of development instead of the reactive seat of saying, well, wait, we don't want uh, you know, this building because it's 80% luxury units and the other 20% are, are unaffordable as well, right? You can say, we're gonna make a loan product or a bond product, uh, product meaning uh, an investment that, that the bank can make and developers can take advantage of when they want financing and say, we will finance this kind of project and we'll pair it with public land. Uh, so no longer are you waiting for developers to tell you how they're gonna build housing, the bank can incentivize the kind of housing that it wants. Um, it can even finance, let's say tenant owned housing or conversion uh, financing that traditional banks have trouble underwriting because they don't think from a social impact standpoint and they think, well, why would you wanna turn a building into tenant owned housing? It makes it harder to make money on. But the city can say, no, we want permanent community-led solutions that enhance people's investment in their communities without extracting the people from the communities, right? Uh, letting them <laughs> live where they live and, and determine their own destiny. And you need a finance arm to do this, right? You can't lend your way out of these problems, uh, but you do need loans to do basically whatever you wanna do. And it's better for that to be through a public bank that, that you have control of. And that leads me to another question. I'm not sure if we've covered it before, but um, so the goals of the bank itself uh, can be, you know, things like, oh, we want to prioritize lending uh, for uh, affordable and social housing or permanent supportive housing or, uh, you know, uh, transportation infrastructure that is going to be used by low income people. Uh, but from a very, you know, high level, are the decisions about, um, you know, the focus of the bank uh, that are non-monetary, are those exclusively made by, you know, 
finance people within the city or are there processes in place that um, public bank or LA city and LA county could draw on to make sure that the community actually has a whole lot of uh, uh, input, not only uh, in setting those original goals for the bank uh, in terms of like uh, prioritizing housing production, you know, prioritizing funding small businesses, uh, prioritizing po possibly funding uh, the recovery of some of the smaller cities, which is usually uh, harder, or, or if they've taken a big hit, it's harder to recover than, you know, say Los Angeles. Uh, but also, is there a, some processes that we can um, uh, steal from to make sure that that community input isn't just, you know, at the beginning, where, you know, yeah. these are the priorities of the bank, but it's an ongoing process. Yeah, uh, that's a really important question. It's probably the most unanswered one, right, um, in terms of how will any individual city and the people that live there impact a given bank? And it's going to be a little different for each uh, institution, right? They're going to be started from these communities. And uh, the law requires that the city council dig in on each plan and approve each one. Some cities, for example, would even have to have a voter referendum. So before the bank would start, you want to make sure these things are in place. Uh, and these banks aren't just going to pop up and then have to chase governance, as we as we would call this this question. Um, I, it, from my point of view, uh, I think it's important that not just uh, public entities like city finance officials, or even elected officials, or or specially elected officials, but rather actual communities participate in every level of policy for the bank. And I, I believe this about budget, budgeting as well uh, for, for city uh, entities, that budgeting, as we frequently hear, is, is a moral exercise. And that's because it's always a, a, a question of trade-offs. And banking has those kinds of tensions as well, right? You, you want to make sure your, your investments are secure and liquid and, and lucrative. Uh, and that is in tension with the desire to give a lower rate to the businesses that need to catch up with uh, with the ones that have already been on the inside and wanting to bring costs down for municipalities. And those decisions need to be made not in the interest of a bank or even directly in the interest of the city, but in the interest of the people that live in the city. And the only way to do that is to have them intimately involved. And that means through, um, in the same way you have uh, budget advocates, uh, you could have neighborhood council level representation, uh, you could outsource credit policy into uh, public commissions, which could focus on areas of economic planning for the city, not just for the bank. Uh, and you could bring in specifically experts in not just the financing of affordable housing, but the operation, the, the transformation of, of housing, uh, people that are not just experts in the provision of banking services, but people who know about how workers interact with banking services uh, and what they need, um, bring social services into the conversation about budgeting um, and, and bring uh, people who work with these communities uh, on everything from crime prevention to, uh, to housing support to, um, to, to social justice and racial equity have them on the governance board, uh, not in ornamental roles, but in serious credit policy making roles from day one and make sure that those 
roles are accountable to those people, not only through metrics, but to uh, the spirit of the mission of the bank. Okay, and I just have um, a few final questions. So on a legislative level, on the state level, is everything done that we need to have done to have public banks in perpetuity, or is there more that can be done on the state level? There's more than can be done on the state level. So uh, AB 857 gives a very good framework. We think it clears the way fully for cities, especially charter cities, to move forward and found these banks. Um, we want to make sure that the regulators at the DFPI, which is California's banking regulator, uh, are um, you know, proactive and um, forward thinking about how these banks might be different from commercial banks um, and also how they are the same. Right? It's important that they treat them fairly. They don't put undue burdens on the public bank to require it, say, to do lines of business or, or not do lines of business based on arbitrary competitive reasons and protect existing Wall Street um, participation in our cities. Uh, we also wanna make sure that they understand that the public has a right to do this and that they shouldn't hem these banks in unnecessarily. So there's always a regulatory part of it. And then we're also advancing AB 310, which is uh, a complement to AB 857. This is a bill that would actually convert the infrastructure bank into something more like a state level public bank. A little different than these AB 857 banks, which would be very locally focused. Um, the state bank in this case would be about delivering COVID relief, expanding credit across the existing iBank programs, and then start to explore becoming a state level depository and a, a true large scale public bank, uh, much larger than something like North Dakota. So that's a, an ambitious project and we think we can uh, get it started this year. We definitely want support for that uh, effort. So we certainly love your, your help on that bill. Um, we are looking for co-authors. Uh, and uh, we also, we, you know, we wanna make sure that the governor and the, tr the state treasurer and the state controller are all you know, um, helping us on this. They've been helpful so far. Of course, uh, governor signed AB 857 and we wanna continue to engage uh, state offices uh, so that um, we can think about uh, responsible investment, not just within public banks, but across all the state's investments in financial infrastructure. Okay, so two last uh, fairly specific questions. Uh, one, I think I know the answer to, one I definitely know the answer to. Uh, but when it comes to uh, popular um, pieces of real estate, like we're hearing a whole lot about community land trust uh, and them being a you know, real vehicle to not only increase housing affordability for renters and potentially homeowners, uh, but also potentially small business owners in a community and uh, be sort of a bulwark against um, displacement uh, and gentrification. Uh, first part of the question is, okay, yeah, can public banks really uh, help us uh, sort of delete some of the questions and objections we have around uh, community land trust? Um, that we, you know, they're being funded to some degree, but there's still, you know, some suspicion. Uh, the second question, and it's more of a wrap-up question, is just um, people want to learn more about uh, public banking and or get involved, uh, where can they go uh, or where should they go? Sure. 
Um, so yeah, community land trusts are a big, big target for public banks again, because existing financial uh, institutions look at a community land trust where the, the land value of, of, of is sort of taken out of the equation in terms of the long-term upside and investment in an interest to keep affordable, uh, keep the housing uh, affordable for low-income and ultra-low-income people. And even more importantly, to keep that land in the hands of the community that lives there instead of turning it into an investment product to be you know, uh, consolidated by some out-of-state company. Um, public banks can make loans like that available on a uniform basis and say, we'll give land to convert uh, these multifamilies into community land trusts or you know, a, a theater or a, a business that is historic and important to the cultural identity of a developing neighborhood, uh, one where, you know, if, if it doesn't, you know, face any kind of um, help is gonna just be swallowed up and turned into yet another brand uh, location. Um, community land trust can help protect those things. And, and I live in Lamarck Park, which is obviously really close to Culver City. And, you know, th that park has been uh, a focus of investment and community uh, by the community uh, by developers for so long uh, and it's the kind of site where you know maybe maybe if there if there there was not only a nonprofit focus on this development but uh, a financial investment by the city uh, with a long-term uh, funding product that would give the people who are trying to build the theater uh, uh, more flexibility to be able to do it on an affordable time scale and, and return it to the, the people so there's there's all different really um, uh, technical and and um, and and sort of uh, nitty gritty ways the community land trusts can can bring things back online, help fight blight, uh, and uh, and obviously increase equity. Uh, what was the wrap up question again? I'm sorry, <laughs> you asked me too, and my brain's only good at grabbing just the one and running with it. Sorry, about <laughs> that. Uh, I usually ask. I usually ask six questions at once. So I was trying to like tone it down, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I don't have my, my notepad. If I was if I was in front of you at Culver City Council, I wouldn't be taking notes. I'm sorry. No worries, no worries. Uh, the last question was really more general. Like, how, where can people learn more about? Um, oh, of uh, course. Where can they learn more? And you uh, know, yes, sign up if they want to volunteer. Yeah. Uh, well, California Public Banking Alliance org is a great place to start. Anywhere in California, there's probably a group near you. If there isn't, you should start one and you can also reach out to us to find out how you can start a public bank movement in your city uh, or link up with one that's already going. Um, we have a very active volunteer activist uh, movement that's obviously in, um, in solidarity and in collaboration with a lot of much larger movements for the things that we want to fund, affordable housing, racial and, and social justice, uh, and the movement for, um, for Black Lives. We, uh, we also have a, a site, publicbankla.com. If you uh, are in LA and want to get involved in the regional bank that we're trying to build here, you can go there and uh, you'll find everything you need. And I'll probably reach out to you or someone from, uh, from our, uh, our volunteer staff. Awesome. Well, uh, I just want to thank you for speaking with me today. 
Um, obviously, I am a very large supporter, advocate, and proponent for uh, public banking. Uh, if we do our due diligence and win this election, of course, I'd be happy to co-sponsor uh, whatever bill is uh, currently in the assembly or Senate uh, when it comes over to the Senate. Um, but, you know, just to, once again, thank you for all of the work and you and everyone at Public Bank LA and the California Public Banking Alliance are doing. Uh, and, you know, let's move it forward in the next few years. And just thank you for being here today and have a great day. Thank you, Daniel. Good luck.